0: this podcast is produced by unedited hello dreamers and welcome to the dreamers disease with myself alex manzi and this is the podcast where we aim to inspire you to become the best version of yourself through hearing the stories of inspirational people who are out in the world and really following their passions and doing the things that they love because for me it's the disease of dreaming and not doing that causes us to live unhappy lives. So what we do is we try to gain some wisdom and some knowledge and motivation from these stories that we can apply to our everyday lives. So in this episode I'm joined by Kenny Allstar who is a broadcaster, a DJ, a presenter and honestly this is one of the best conversations I've had like me and Kenny at the end of this conversation had a real moment of just looking at each other and being like wow that was amazing it was so open kenny was so humble with his story and we covered so much stuff we spoke about how he has gone on his journey from being a kid running around the streets filming freestyles to getting his own show on one extra we spoke about his relationship with his mum, and he also discussed issues i guess that he feels are, are in society today with young kids and the kind of tension between police and some of the suggestions he thinks that we could do as a society and as a, a decision making point of view from the government to help change that and he was something he was really passionate about and but before we jump in just make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever it is you're listening to this podcast right now leave a review so i can see what you think about the podcast and also be sure to head over to instagram and follow the underscore dreamers disease for daily updates and motivation but right now let's jump straight in and hear kenny's story
1: K- 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 Kenny you star I'm in there I'm in there man thank you for having me here uh-huh. um, as you can tell I don't really talk to anyone mm. you any social in a weird way so um you know when you shouted at me I was like bruv you've been supporting me from the early days yeah one extra so I was like if I'm just gonna release and have like a little therapy session it's going to be with you, my man. So yeah, you, man. I do appreciate this.
0: that. I like the way you're calling it therapy as All well. Right. It
1: is therapy, man. You've got to understand, like, people don't actually understand. They only see one side to mm. me as a person. They see me when I'm flamboyant and I'm just shouting and I'm talking up a rapper or when I'm on stages, just screaming at the top of my lungs, breaking records. But I'm a human being mm. and um, I'm an only child. So I don't have siblings that I can go to to just talk. So I find myself being in my apartment alone and using music as a way of just expressing myself. Oh, really? So when I get called from someone like yourself who I respect, this is therapy, man. Mm. Yeah, this is therapy. I'm oh, ready, man. We're
0: going to go deep, do, Yeah, so no, I'm,
1: I want to go as deep as we can. Yeah? like Your oh.
0: podcasts are rate. Let's, let's do it. Thank you. Um, all right, so to, to begin with then, for those who uh, may not listen to One Extra on a Friday night, yeah. who may not know about Mad About Bars, who may not know who Kenny Allstar is. Yeah. Can you um, just give people a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Well, I'm a DJ primarily. My love, my first love has always been picking up a vinyl, or picking up a CD, putting it in a CD player or a CDJ and mixing records together. And um along with that broadcasting is another element that i'm in love with radio i think i'm like the last generation that appreciates what radio means to a person so i'm a presenter in the common definition of what a presenter is but I'm, i'm just a lover of music as well so whether it's being on the radio and playing records or being in a club and playing tunes it all derives from the passion of playing music and loving this thing we call UK urban or UK rap or UK grime I'm in love with it Mm. so that's me man broadcaster DJ producer you know I put records together curate records I'm in a studio with producers and I'm I'm also consulting with artists on what records sound good, what they should put out, what they shouldn't put out. So you add that to the mix. And I'm, a, I'm an all-round motivator, man. Mm. Sometimes you'll find me being that guy who would randomly call you if you're a rapper or if you're an artist and you're silent. I'm the guy to randomly call you being like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, come on, get up. Like, go to the studio, make music. Do something with yourself. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all round motivator as well. So those are the little ingredients that make this mm.
0: potion, this pot of what Kenny All-Star is mm. in the world. I like that. I yeah, like that. Man. But so, from the music perspective, yeah. As you said, you're you know very passionate about, it and you've got this like, I guess all encompassing love for music. Mm. Where did that start from?
1: It started from when I was a a, a kid, like a toddler. Um, my mom came from hard beginnings. So when she came over to uh, the UK, she didn't have financially a lot. Obviously, you know, it's the typical immigrant story, Mm. you know, things weren't going good for her back home. She wanted to come over to find work, find a better opportunity, find a better love find a better passion for for our life in general and um i remember on the first flat that we grew up in we didn't have a tv and i think i was so young when i f- saw my first tv i was like what is that <laughs> but i remember before being able to see a television screen you know with the big with the the big, big backs <laughs> yeah the big back tvs um there was this thing called radio. There was yes. a rate. there was this thing that was in the corner of the kitchen. It's It was an alarm clock and the alarm clock had this wheel at the top and I was, remember always playing with that wheel mm. and my mum having to slap my hand every so often and um, I always was asking what is this? And then I would wake up at six in the morning before like going to school or going to daycare whatever and I was always playing with the same alarm clock till I was able to switch it on and work out that sound was coming from it Mm. when you don't have entertainment from the TV all I was hearing is voices from this thing and I was infatuated by this thing called a radio and then I was just tuning it tuning it Um, it got to the point I think think it was my 6th birthday my mum bought me Musical instruments, yeah. like toys that, but they're like you know th- when you go Toys R Us, you get the the keyboards the with the colours on keyboards. them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some of them play like preset kind of tones and songs and stuff. Mm. And I was always playing on that keyboard. Then she bought me a guitar, and then I was just loving the guitar, and I was always playing on that guitar. And then she bought me, I think it was a Thomas the Tank Engine um, cassette cassette yeah. sorry cassette tape thing it's like a another mini radio but you can put cassettes in them yeah then i worked out where a cassettes was and i was playing cassettes on there so everything was always my toys were always instrument based yeah, like connected to music and, exactly yeah, then you've yeah. got that radio that i was in love with and then um my mom had a vinyl player and then that's when it just curtains from there and this was all about the age of six, seven years of age. Mm. And I'm just, when I saw the vinyl and then she played, um, I think it was a Beres Hammond record. I'm trying to work out what Beres Hammond record it was, but it was an amazing record and I was just hearing it. And then I was just looking at the the vinyl spin mm. and I was like, no, this is it. I, I love this. Mm. And that would always make me happy. So you know when we couldn't afford to get the entertainment that all my friends in primary school was getting whether it was these pokemon cards or these Yu-Gi-Oh cards that everyone's trading i knew as soon as it's three o'clock at the end of the day i'm going home to play on the vinyl play on the guitar play on the
0: keyboard and just yeah, like have my own form of entertainment through mm. music that's it and if you think like As you're telling me that, I'm just picturing Mm. like this young Kenny going through all of that to like where you are now. Yeah. And arguably having like probably the most incredible, you know, what, four to six weeks you've had with like, you know, first of all, the, the Friday night show on One Extra got announced and you finally got confirmed as like official One Extra family. yeah, And then... Your documentary came out, shot by Nathan Miller, yeah, and then your album came out the following week, mm. all in the, such a short space of time. Like how Incredible. how was that for you? Like what what's kind of changed in that window? I think me
1: as a person is I'm still the same guy that mm. I've always been, but I think it's everyone's perception of me has changed, and it's kind of it's a bit of sweet because. I work hard no matter what platform I'm on. Mm-hmm. I work hard whether I'm noticed to the masses or whether only people in my area of Lewisham know me. And my passion still stays the same. I think we're in a weird place in the UK music industry because we tend to respect people who we can see mm-hmm. is doing great things. But there's loads of people underground doing great things. So sometimes i I get more compliments now than i have ever had in my entire life and i find myself stuck between a rock and a hard place because yeah i love being acknowledged but i'm just a normal person sometimes i get stuck more like you're doing so much great things Mm. keep on going you're amazing you're an inspiration I get people telling me you're putting on for the streets you're putting on for the hood you're changing people's lives keep on going I get people telling me yeah that chat suit love was a banger your block diaries are amazing all that and I find myself not knowing how to react to that because I genuinely in a weird way I don't know if if I like it because I don't ever like to be put on a pedestal I like being I'll be lying if I said I don't appreciate accolades and being acknowledged and seeing the the benefits of my success. But I don't like being put on that. Yeah. I feel awkward. I feel a bit more awkward. And um, even if we want to talk about the success of being on radio and all of these things, I think I was always focused on getting here anyway. See, the place I'm in right now, from that age of six and I heard that radio I knew I wanted to be the voice mm. so if there's another kid switching on a radio which probably won't happen because unfortunately radio is not as popular as it was back in the day yeah and when I was growing up I just want to inspire people through my voice because I was inspired when I first was up hearing Pete Tong late at night and hearing Judge Jules after that, mm. and then prior to that, hearing Tim Westwood, and hearing like all these guys on a Friday night from Radio 1, and then going over to like Trace FM, and hearing these larger-than-life characters over there. That was my passion, yeah. you know? And I'm happy for where I am now, but I don't know how to react. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, I find myself, still, okay, thank you. But sometimes when you say thank you, without an extension of something else people think you're a bit arrogant
0: so I'm just like I'm happy but I don't know man how how much of that do you reckon is down to feeling that you've still got so much more to come a lot of it It, all all of it to be honest because
1: my my I think my roof I don't have a roof like my limit there is none That's the thing when people look at the achievements that I have achieved in the last year Mm. this is just scraping the surface Mm. like I genuinely when I wake up in the morning and I look in that mirror I've been through so much in my life and I've had so much people tell me I couldn't do what I was doing for many different reasons whether it be you're a black man from South East London trying to make it on commercial radio station speaking the way you speak. Mm. I've had someone straight up tell me you've got to switch it up. You're not articulate enough. Mm. There's a certain level of broadcasting in this country that you have to reach. You have to be able to speak in a certain way. You use too much slang. Mm. You come across will we'll Jerry from Cornwall understand you Will Rebecca from Kettering understand you? Yeah, yeah. Will, will William from Northampton yeah. get you? Sally from Stokes, my favourite. Sally favorite. from Stokes, that's a good <laughs> one. They won't get you. Yeah. You've got to switch it up. And I tried that and it never worked. Yeah. In fact, I tried it and I ended up getting kicked off the radio yeah. because I tried too hard being someone I'm not. So when I used to get these doors shut on me and when people used to tell me, like, yeah, Kenny, you gotta go in that way. When I decided to go on my own way and realised this can work, mm. now I know this is you've awakened a beast. So cool. I've now reached stage one of where I wanted to be. You know, you know me very well, Alex. I've always wanted to be on One Extra. Yeah. I've always wanted to be in the BBC because Growing up in broadcasting, BBC is like a certain like that's that the level that's levels, and if you can get into that building, dressing the way I do, speaking the way I do, promoting the music that I do, you're special, mm. and now I know I'm special. Yeah. So when people like come up to me with all of this you're going in. I'm not. (laughs) Because if you think this is going in, I'm afraid in the next five years, it's a bit mad.
0: (laughs) It's funny because like, what you were just saying about, you know, that time when you were on the radio trying to do like the classic radio style that wasn't you. I think it was around that time, four years ago-ish, when we first met, when you were doing the, you were doing some like cover shows on One Extra. Yeah. And it was daytime radio. It wasn't it was. specialist radio, as it's called, like the evening slots. Yeah, And I remember we had that conversation in the building, and you were talking about you know, how much you wanted to be on One Extra, but you yeah. were also telling me how much you wanted to like bring through this new wave of music that Straight. was bubbling under the surface. Straight. And I felt at the time, I can't remember if I said it to you or not, but I felt like you were caught, like you said, between a rock and a hard place because you'd got to this point in radio where you'd always wanted to get to on one extra, although it was daytime, but you weren't able to bring through the music and the thing that you wanted to. Yeah. And I feel like over those years you kind of rewound yourself back in and not reset but like reassessed maybe is a better word. And then went forward again with it. Yeah. So like what was it like for you when you got that phone call to say Kenny? friday nights one extra this is like a coveted slot that's been you know cherished for so long and has been you know occupied by semtex for so long Mm. kenny we we want you to to do that job for us there's so many elements that we're gonna (laughs) unfold
1: firstly i want to talk about the element of me nearly missing that phone call so i was booked for a show in berlin well, I was meant to be booked for a show in Berlin the week I got the phone call. I think I got the phone call like on a Wednesday and I was meant to fly out to Berlin the day before that. But because of the business side of things, like basically things weren't right with that booking in particular. Yeah. So my manager declined the show on that same week. So I'm already thinking imagine if I wasn't in the country when I got that phone call. Because mm. I usually go on flight mode when I'm out the country. You can't get to me. So what would have happened if I didn't get to answer that call? So I was thinking about that, now looking back on it. And then when I got the phone call in the morning, I thought it was a prank. Obviously, <laughs> I know the number that rang me. <laughs> so I know it's not a prank, but I d- it didn't feel real. you got to understand. Just to put things in perspective, anyone listening to my voice right now on this podcast, I have been trying to get into this building for nearly eight, nine years mm. of my life. Let's put this in perspective. I'm 25 years of age. The first time I walked into the one extra building, I think I was 17. Wow, yeah. I'd done something called extra talent. Some people would never even remember what extra talent is. That's basically what the One Extra Residency is right now. Yeah. Even prior to that, a year before that, when I was 16, I was sending emails upon emails. I was going on LinkedIn, trying to Google who was who from the BBC. Who could I speak to? I was doing everything. I used to go over to Great Yeldin House, which was the original building for Radio 1 and one Extra, and wait outside for DJs just to give them my mix CDs. Mm. I didn't know any better. I should have known that, come on, how's the DJ going to take my CDs? It's going to throw it in a bin. Mm. I didn't know any better. I used to like literally bunk school to do that just so I can get seen. So you're telling me after all this time, I'm getting a phone call to tell me to come in because we want to discuss something. And I and I already know, with that phone call, you can just tell me what you need to tell me over yeah. the phone. But my heart started beating when I heard, can you come in? Because mm. I'm thinking, all right, cool. I can't get in. What have I, I ain't done nothing wrong. Mm.
0: Like... So they didn't tell you what you were coming in for? No. It was just like, can you come in? Just can, can can we speak to you? Yeah. And it was
1: in the morning. And I'm not a morning... Anyone that knows me, <laughs> I'm not a morning person. Mm-hmm. So for me to wake up, my phone's never on loud, always on vibrate. So for me to just wake up like that, that's mad. So I've woken up. I, I remember... I don't even think I showered properly. Like, uh, my heart was racing. I had to make it in. For like midday yeah. and it's nine. And what was going through your mind? I was like, "What's gonna happen? Like, did I play a record that offended someone yeah. on on the residency? Like, I was just thinking. You see, the, the mad thing is, I was thinking negatively. Yeah. Because for me, I'm thinking no good things happen to me like this. So all these things are running through my head. I'm I'm washing my face. I'm brushing my teeth. I'm ready to go out. I'm driving. And again, my heart's still beating. I'm driving, driving, driving. I'm near Marlebone. I'm I'm round the corner. I've parked up. I, I think I got I got a ticket that day as well because I, I was shaking. I couldn't
0: even pay for the parking. Mm. I got back to a ticket in my vehicle. Was this because, were you like, you know, you're saying you're having all these negative feelings yeah. and thoughts and you're shaking and you're kind of nervous in a way. Is that because you thought, you, your opportunity was getting taken from you. I felt like it. Good things don't happen to people like me.
1: Mm. I'm just gonna keep it so real. Where I'm from, good things don't happen like this in this industry. Of course, we get the the typical athlete and um rapper story from my area or from South London, but in broadcasting, not really, not at this stage where music is. I'm just thinking I'm just thinking negatively I sh- and I should be I should know better mm. but that's just me so I'm thinking cool I'm here and I've met I've met the head of programs and then he breaks it to me straight up we've seen we've seen how much work you've been putting in we appreciate how much work you've been putting in I'm happy to to say this to you, we'd like you to take Friday nights on one extra. Yeah. Semtex's previous slot. And then I'm like, I start... I'm not going to lie. I started crying. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm fucking tearing out now. Are no, like, like, you telling I, it? Real, real talks. I started crying. I was like that's why i felt like it was a prank like you're joking like you're kidding me i'm looking at him like you're not you're not there's no way this is real like i'm even having to pinch myself in front of him because it feels like a dream yeah so after 8 years of grafting you're telling me my time's now like it's it's now happening and then he's like yeah and then we have this weird pause i'm being serious it's like we're just looking at each other for ages. I, I, can, I can honestly say it was probably around 15 to 20 seconds. And that's a long time yeah. to
0: just be looking at someone. Yeah. And I'm cracking up because I know the exact scenario. I know the exact room it would have happened to. Yeah. The exact person you're talking to. <laughs> and I'm like,
1: this is mad. And then um, on that same day, that's when it all happens. Mm. Uh, I had a meeting in West London. Then I was told to come back and then we we do the the pictures and stuff and the announcement happens on that same Friday, I think. And it's official. I'm a BBC Radio One Extra DJ. From when I was six, listening to Radio One and dreaming for one day making it, Mm. It's now here.
0: Mm. How's it feel being able to like say that now? It feels amazing
1: because I've never actually had to like never really said it. I remember that whole week was a mess in a good way. Because I had to go home and speak to my mum. And the scene with my mum, you see that woman there. Mm. When I tell her good news, she just like she breaks down Mm. tears of joy Mm. you gotta understand for so long we've gone back and forth with this career this radio DJ career Mm. they never saw the vision in it because again if you're from Africa my son's gotta do be a pilot be a doctor be a scientist like over in Africa, these are the big occupations yeah. that make you a successful child, a successful man. Yeah. If we're not doing that, then it's not cutting it. That's true. And then I've, I've, I kept on going back and forth all my 20, for, for a good 20 years of my life, going back and forth with my family, showing them, look, we can, I, this is going to be huge. If I make it, like this will be groundbreaking. Have faith in me. Let me keep on doing it. When I broke it to her, it was just amazing. Mm. Then I started breaking it to my friends, and then um, like everything was just amazing. And and obviously, the hardest thing as as well was keeping it to myself and my mother. Yeah, because you know the worst thing you want is. New news getting out about whatever, and then it just messes everything up. So I was just like moving. Imagine me going to see my bedrooms and going to see just people, mm. knowing that I've got this thing in my mind that I really want to wanna tell you, but I can't. And then the Friday comes and the announcement gets made, and everything feels different like everything is just like, yeah, it, it even. Until now, I can now say it with confidence and own it. Yeah. But I think because I've never had the opportunity to just say it. And that's why I go back to saying like this is like therapy to me. Yeah, yeah. Because now, as I sit down here on this podcast, I've, I, I'm a BBC DJ. I'm a BBC DJ. Contrary to popular belief, for anyone that's doubted me, for anyone that said that I'm too hood, anyone that have said that I'm not articulate enough or I don't use big lingo on the radio, or, like, now look, now look. So, yeah,
0: it's mad. Yeah, man, do you know what, man? And I, I saw you, like, I think it was two weeks after the announcements were made. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the office, isn't it. I yes, I so was that at the office first. I was at the office first. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking that one extra live when I saw you. Oh yeah, and, and we were. Oh, like, I was a wreck then as well. And you, you, were like, "Oh man, this is like my first one extra event as a DJ." Was like, this is so surreal. And oh, we were, we were having that chat of like, "I was like Kenny, but come on, like, you've deserved this." Yeah, that that, that was, was a powerful crazy. moment for me, like just seeing how much it meant to you, because <sighs> it's different catching you in the office yeah. because we've had that moment. Loads of times times, over the the years. But catching you at One Extra Live with everyone else there, the artists, the presenters, the bosses, Mm. the workers, everyone who's involved in the station. It's like you're part of the family. It was a real, I could feel like how much that meant to you. Like just being able to, 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 to say, you even said it to me, like it feels weird saying I'm a One Extra DJ. So weird. I'm so used to being on the
1: sidelines looking in on the sub bench. Mm. Like, I'm so used to seeing the starting 11 <laughs> yeah. do their thing. And I'm just, like, on the, on the bench, waiting to get called up. Like, waiting to... Just, yeah, Kenny, you're on. Mm. And even... What's deeper than that is... The way I got unveiled to the world was crazy. Mm. I get told... So... You're going to go and host, because every presenter on One Extra had to bring out an artist that was headlining One Extra Live. Then they told me, yeah, Kenny, we we want you at One Extra Live. Uh, You're going to be bringing out Ella Mai with Jam Supernova and Trevor Nelson. And I was like, are you serious? (laughs) Already? So I'm already in the deep end, because after (laughs) the announcement happened, like, Probably a week prior to that yeah. that event. I'm in front of 15,000 people at one of the biggest arenas in Europe, bringing
0: out. In pretty much your part of London as well, yeah, Southeast cause, London. Yeah,
1: because even deeper than that, in the O2, that's in Greenwich, the area I grew up in, Deptford, is 10 minutes from there. Yeah. So I'm there in front of all, like my hometown, with the greatest, in my opinion, one of the greatest broadcasters that we have in our in our country and one of the most well-versed women in radio, mm. especially for R&B music, yeah. a, a, a genre that for us as people, we have lived with for so many years and I'm just this guy in the middle and they're unve- unveiling me to the world in, in theory and yeah. that one extra live moment was crazy. Yeah. And that was, that just added but that I was a wreck I couldn't stop smiling <laughs> what, I remember looking back on it it, it feels cringe now because I'm like why are you smiling so much why are you smiling Kenny like I, I was just I remember when I was watching it back I was like Kenny stop smiling relax <laughs> like, f- like own the moment you're here yeah. now this is your moment yeah. you've wanted be a one extra DJ if yeah, you're enjoying the moment that's more important it. man I was loving it I, but my heart was racing as yeah. well because there was little things that I had to remember. I'm like, cool, Kenny, don't do nothing crazy. Don't swear. Because mm. I wanted to say, like, make some fucking noise. <laughs> I was like, yep, you would have been out as quick <laughs> as you went in. And um, I, I was happy I didn't do that. Yeah. And I was happy that I kept composed.
0: That's why I was like, yeah, this is great. This, yeah. That was a moment. Amazing, man. So, yeah. like, t- tell me a bit about young Kenny. Like, yeah. what was young Kenny like growing up? Oh Young Kenny... I was very reserved.
1: I was very shy. I'm a shy person, even up to now. And this is, again, what makes me realise that radio and music's for me. Mm. Because the only time I come out of my shell, really, is when I'm on the radio or when I'm live. Mm. That's Kenny. That's like my alter ego. That's Kenny All Star. But Kenny, without the All Star, I'm a relaxed, reserved person. I didn't grow up with, with... Again, siblings. All my siblings are over in Nigeria. So I grew up around a few areas in southeast London. Catford, Lewisham Park and Deptford, Peeps Estate. And my school was across like the other side of Lewisham, Grove Park, haberdasher's asks. Um, which was called Mallory, and growing up because I was so socially awkward, it was peak man. Mm. So, I had a lot of self esteem issues that I had to that I had to um get over. Like what sort of thing? So um, I I thought I was an ugly kid, and a lot of young people can probably relate. You got to understand at the time when I was like in year seven or like year six everyone was starting to um focus more on on their looks and you know television was evolving and technology was evolving and mm. everyone wanted to wear a certain type of trainers and and dress a certain way and look like they was bigger than what they were yeah and when you are just someone like me who can't afford that you just feels like everyone's against you. Yeah. So when I was in primary school, I was bullied by a lot of my peers. Like, yo, look at his head; he's ugly. He's like, and I had um. Unfortunately, I don't know why I got them so late, but I had chicken pox as well. Okay. Like at like some peak stage of my primary school life, so my face just like just looked horrible, mm. and I have I have eczema, like um, and an in- intense flare-up of eczema so there was times when I would go into school and I would just have all these rashes on my face and I felt like I was a monster like I literally mm. used to this peak and then I had asthma so then you got you got a bad skin condition and you breathe heavy yeah and I wasn't even as big as I was then I was like mad slim and skinny but every time I would do PE I run out of breath and there were so many little things to pick on me for and then there was a point in my life where I got annoyed and I got angry and I got kicked out of primary school. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, um, I I smashed the, one of the doors in the classrooms and I just was acting up. I was really upset. It just, like I got to a boiling, I'd done a lot of anger management to channel my aggression. Yeah, And my aggression wasn't with people. It was with myself. Mm. I used to look in the mirror and think, "Why can't I look like the other kids in the playground?" Wow. So when they was out in the playground, I was up again by myself, and then um, I moved to a new primary school. Uh, grew up with a with a guy that that's like, unfortunately, we're not that close now, but my best friend at the time, Patrick, and he was just like the only friend I had. So when everyone was in their groups, he even had a group that used to break off to kind of be with me. And again, I was just rebelling. I was just a rebellious young kid. Mm. Just because I was bullied. I just wanted to be inclusive with everyone else and it just never
0: worked. And how did you, I guess, deal with it, but also overcome that kind of, those issues with your self-esteem and everything else? The only time...
1: In terms of self-esteem issues, I don't think I ever dealt with it properly yet. Even up to now, I still have self-esteem issues. Mm. Like, now I I can get the things that I want to, like, kind of look good or look, like, great. But that never really does it. Mm. Um, Music was my go-to therapy, again. So, um, growing up, I used to listen to a lot of deep music. I I would tend to cross over and listen to a bit of 50 Cent get rich and die trying um album was one of the first albums i ever got then i got uh the g unit stunt 101 um cd and then i was like really like looking into a lot of rap music so ready to die was another amazing album that i used to just zone out to big um and that was like my way of just zoning out my mom always done everything she could to help me combat this problem. She would buy me the Walkman, mm. I'd put the CD in, and I'd relax. That was the only time my blood pressure was ever low. <laughs> like, seriously, when I was zoning out. Yes. Um, and again, in, in secondary school, I was a little bit cooler, because I just didn't have it. You know, when, you, when people were starting to bully me, or start to get to me, I was like, you can't, I, I would fight back. I would be the guy that would not have it. Because I had it for so long and I couldn't take it. And even if I got beaten up after school, I'd come back for more. Because naturally, I just wanted to just be respected in a certain yeah. way. Like, let me just be one of you guys. Don't take advantage of me. Yeah. And um, it was very hard. It was so hard. Like, people don't understand... When I mean people, I mean sometimes people from the outside looking in. So people who are from more middle class areas that see young kids like us, like we just want to be, we just want to live life normally, like we want to be able to have the finer things in life, because unfortunately, again, this is was so hard looking at the introduction of smartphones and yeah. being able to see the way the world was going. And we always wanted the latest things. So, um, yeah, uh, growing up, I had a little stint of trying to be someone that I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I wanted to get more creative with life. I knew I wanted to get into the creative industry because I felt like with all the fights I was getting into and all the people that was getting on my nerves all the time and my aggression problems. I had to do something positive. Yeah. So I picked up a camera and I started filming videos from guys around my area. Um, But the only problem was when you are surrounded by a lot of negativity, you can be the one positive person in in this whole sea of negativity, but you will get drawn in one way or another. Mm. So... I was never the type of person to, like, shot or, like, sell, like, f- like, drugs or anything. Like, I weren't that bad. But if anyone touched any of my friends, I'm with them, no matter what. And there was um occasions where I had, like, mad altercations. And I was trying to film, but I couldn't go to every area because my friends were not liked across the bridge. I wanted to go across the bridge because yeah. as I was getting older and I found this passion for recording content rap content I wanted to do it anyway Yeah. and um, I was always like so if one one day if someone tried to hurt my friend I was with them taking the beating and I, there times when I was just I was just a horrible kid to people and I regret every bad thing I've ever done you know that may have hurt people in the past but I learned from it and I was just kept it going. I picked up this camera courtesy again for my mum. Yeah. She bought me an 80 pound Panasonic camera, pre HD standard <laughs> def. We're not even talking 720p. Like it was really, it was horrible. The quality was bad, yeah. but I was making it work. So then, um, my girlfriend at the time, she started, uh, um, she, she had, uh, gone to a school called the Peckham Academy. And then, there was rappers there and she knew how much I wanted to do this like filming thing. She was like, yeah, there's this guy that goes to my school. His name's Cash-tastic. He's amazing. Mm, He's a sick rapper. Do you want to link him? So then I started hopping on these trains and on these buses and I was going and filming it. He was the first guy I filmed. Really? Wow. Yeah, then that, Went over, then I went back over to Lewisham, and I was doing the Deptford. My guys from my friends from Deptford. And I was going over to Grove Park to link my friends from Grove Park, and then it just started getting to a point where the word of mouth was going around. Of There's this kid from Lewisham that shoots videos, mm. and you gotta understand, there weren't that many people shooting videos anyway. Yeah, yeah, Like this was like DVD era, so there was like streets incarcerated. There was a few like independent DVDs, risky roads, and different things but in south we didn't have much going on so i remember my first big break was like when sneakbo hit mm. me up and sneakbo was like yeah come to the hood come to a town just shoot and i was shooting sneakbo and i was like wow this is sick this is amazing that like, and it then i started to clock certain types of views and yeah. like it was like wants the know." and um i think the game changing thing for me was um when I got stabbed? Yeah. When when was that? That was in and around again the period that I was shooting. So about I was about fifteen. Fifteen. Wow. Yeah. When it happened, and what what happened? What was the kind of cause of it? <sighs> it's my own stupidity. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm gonna hold my hands up again. I was. You can't be a positive guy, but yet still do negative things and all it was is I was just flying this flag of like look I'm a Deptford boy you can't yeah like (laughs) that's it but I was stupid because how am I doing that but yet I want to be able to go everywhere and just do like I was I was living two lives I was one foot in and one foot out Mm. and then (sighs) around my area when I was by myself, I feel like I got set up. I feel like, I, I just, something didn't feel right. Yeah. I remember I was riding my bikes. So it just didn't feel right. You know, you get that energy. Sometimes you leave your house and you think, something ain't right. I'm going to stay at home. <laughs> Everyone has the yeah, instinct. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't use this instinct. I was I was coming back from a shoot. I had the the camera in my bag. I just see these booky looking, weird, like guys from up the road, mm. from far, and I was like, you know what, fight or flight. But I'm like, you nah, know, I'm not, I'm not fighting this. I'm one. out. I'm out. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you just know yeah, yeah. when there's like people coming down you just know, like, look, this isn't gonna end well. I, I could die, like I could actually die. And um, I got caught around Lewisham Park, but which is the part behind the estate that I was living at at the time. Mm. So pretty much on your doorstep. Pretty much on my doorstep. And I just got kicked off my bike. Around my thigh. Stabbed me in my leg. And I was like... I didn't go to hospital till like later on. I was trying to walk it off. I was alone. Then I collapsed. But the maddest thing is about why... I'm a firm believer of fate and God. Lewisham Hospital is located directly across the road Mm. from Lewisham Park Estate. Anyone from South East London knows what I'm talking about. So what are the odds of me getting stabbed at that location? (laughs) And the hospital is right across the road and someone called the ambulance and I remember just waking up. i passed out. I think they have this like I know it as a nebulizer, but it's it's probably not called that, like where they gas you to sleep. The yeah, yeah, the mask. The mask, and then you just fell asleep, and I woke up, and I saw my mum in tears, and I was like, you know what? This is it. That's enough is enough. If I'm going to do this, I'm putting all my effort in it. So growing up, I was like, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna do no negative things, not yeah. like, like I just wanted to, it started from wanting to be cool. And a lot of people don't understand there's a lot of young guys like this. That they start off just trying to be accepted. And that's what I always try and explain to the world or, or to people without people twisting my words. Yeah. Because you know sometimes the media like just like to do too much. A lot of the kids that me just want to be cool. They just want to be able to own a certain type of trainer or they just want to look like the way people with money look. Mm. Because when you're used to poverty for so long and you feel like your councils are not doing enough to help the poverty or impoverished areas or people are not doing enough to just help our communities and you're taking things away from us. There's only so much things you can take away from us as people yeah. before we turn around and say, look, this is enough is enough. We need to get it. Yeah. We have to get it because there's, I know what it feels like to go home and see my mom looking at stacks of bills and then her just putting her head down and crying. Mm. I know what that looks like.
0: Mm. What, were, and what was like your feeling towards that when you're seeing your mum in that position it hurts
1: because you want to do something about it you go over and and ask mum let me help but I know for a fact how much how can I help Mm. I can't get a job half the time because there was around that age I think around well, for two reasons. I'm too young to work legally anyway. I ain't mm. even got an NI number. <laughs> so when I'm 13, 14, mm. I can't work anyway. Going into 15, I think the legal age might be 16 or... I think th- so. I yeah. think so. So if these things are happening before, that, what can I do? What income do I have? What income do a lot of these young kids have? What's going... Like, What? what where? what is there? They can't work. And even... If they are working, it's they got to do voluntary work, but that's not going to put food on the table. Mm. So, I find a lot of young people are having to do things like unfortunately go into bad, like habits. Mm. You know, a lot of things was happening that like when I was waking up and seeing these things. And I just want people to understand that we're not bad people. Like, I'm around to a lot of these young kids, like even if we're gonna sorry for going back and forth and going all over the place but even if we're going to touch on topics like drill music and and these kids doing these talking about these things people yeah a lot of it is over exaggerated mm. and I'll keep it 100 I'll tell you this from now a lot of guys are over exaggerating in their lyrics
0: but people have done that throughout course, music yeah. the, like the existence they're, they're, music. I guess painting a picture isn't it of yeah. like the world that they live in but, exactly you know it's like when you make a movie you make it a bit more, you a push it a more, bit yeah. more further out than that. It actually was.
1: And, yeah. and, 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 that, and it happens in movies. Mm. Like, you know, you might watch a Kill Bill or you might watch something that's like, oh, this, this, these killings are over the top. Mm. But that doesn't stop them from creating movies like that every year. Mm. I think the issue we, we're having right now is people are always pushing a lot of these kids into a corner. Yeah. And you know, there's only so much you can push before it gets too out of hand, yeah. And I think what we're starting to see in London is young people being pushed too much. Mm. Again, you're taking too much away from these kids. When you when you talk to people like Getz, people like Chip, people like Kano that have grown up in the gram scene, they will tell you their come ups were similar. They were able to go to a radio station or a youth club, and and sit in a corner, and stand like in a circle and spit bars yeah. of like, and they had a community, a, a place to do that. Mm. We don't have that. So what you get, so what you take that away from them, and then on top of that, there's a lot of there's 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 housing problems. I moved. I've lived, me and my mum and my dad have lived in three different council houses mm-hmm. because some things that are starting to happen now is real they're starting to even shut like imagine this council housing a lot of the times are being bought out by like independent contractors yeah. to build luxury unaffordable housing yeah. and they, then they're knocking down Places that we've, communities we've grown up in. Mm. So now we don't even know what our areas look like anymore. We don't know what our neighbours look like anymore. And then we're getting moved out to to other areas. And what you're doing is, it's a domino effect. You start moving people out of one community, then they're going into another community and that community don't know who's coming in. Mm, And it starts getting silly. there is so much problems and I'm not a politician and again (laughs) as I've said earlier on I'm not Mr. Articulate. I can't use big words and show you stats I can only talk by what I see so when I have this mantra called the voice of the streets I'm going up I'm not trying to say that I'm the president or the, the, the guide the king of the roads and stuff I'm not I'm far from it but when everyone was running away from some of these kids I was standing by them. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? I feel like I'm going on, I've got rambling no, too no, much. No, but no, not at all. Like, that's like where I'm at. Yeah.
0: So, so what's like the, I guess, you know, there's a lot of issues and problems like you've just said, but what's the kind of changes that you'd like to see to make that more more of a positive impact rather than something negative?
1: I think what we need to do is work alongside each other mm. because there's so many different elements to this even if you want to talk about policing let's let's, let's just keep it 100 the re- police's relationships with a lot of young people is not very good because there's a certain image even my heart beats when police drive past me and I ain't done nothing wrong yeah but growing up i'm so used to being to playing football in a cage in my estate and police driving and pulling over stopping and searching us or questioning us when we're not doing anything and sometimes we need to analyze how we are bringing police onto our streets yeah. I think we need familiarity with who polices our streets. So, i.e., there ain't much... I don't want to make this a race thing, but let's let's say there's not enough ethnic minorities, police pe- community police. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know how some people that come out of jail and they have no jobs? Mm. I don't think people have even thought about potentially reaching out to some of these people that are trying to rehabilitate and trying to change their lives, that have come out of jail and don't have a job. I'm sure, it's, I don't know, I'm not a politician, but there could be funding that could allow people that have come out of jail or that can relate to kids coming mm. through this crisis, working with community police. Yeah,
0: almost being like... Um What's the word I'm looking for? Like a lia- like a yeah, liaison yeah. person between, or shadowing. Yeah, like a community person. That's Thank kind you. of yeah. I and the thing is,
1: mean. a lot of people that is, that come out of these facilities don't ask for much. Some uh, seven pound, eight pound an hour. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like just 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 shadow the community officers. Mm. Make sure that everyone's being dealt with correctly. Yeah, and then. What then starts to happen is sometimes when young people see a face that we are used to seeing or we respect, we could be like, okay, cool, you know what? My, I might think twice before mm. I do this.
0: There's also less tension, isn't there? between less like, tension. Like you said, if it's just someone you don't recognise or a stranger or, you know, the police person you don't necessarily know, you straight away, you put on that defensive guard. All the time. Or if it's someone that you recognise and do know, I guess you can like, kind of have more of a face-to-face conversation without it feeling threatening. Exactly. Mm. And
1: even if it's, again, I don't want to use this as a scapegoat, but facilities in real life are being shut down. Mm. I dedicate once every two, three months to go to a Uh, youth centre or youth project to show my face, take pictures with the kids, listen to their music. I do that once every two to three months. Mm. Last one i done was Roscoe Arts Foundation. Mm. You know, I just go and see what's going on because there's literally, we can probably count on both hands the amount that are left Mm. across London. And that's ridiculous. I remember growing up in school, it was compulsory. There were some schools... That they have literally forced you to go yeah. to a youth centre that was that used to work in conjunction with schools. Imagine that and academies, yeah. that's gone now. We got to do more to do that. You can't, you can't complain that these kids are out here doing a madness to themselves, and you're not giving them platforms or opportunities yeah. or the support they need or yeah. support. There are mums crying. There are dads crying, like, there are kids, like, kids are being buried by their parents. Mm. That's mental. Like, I've lost, personally, I've lost three loved ones, Mm. like, over the last 25 years of my life, from birth till now. Even when I was 16, I lost a friend. 18, I lost a friend. Mm. Last five years, I lost a friend. This is getting ridiculous. And, of course, there are many, there are many issues, but music can never be the priority issue. Mm. And another thing I'm going to say as well, because I'm just going to say it here, because, you know, again, this is a, a, a platform that I respect highly. Music can contribute to an extent of how people, how young people might be influenced, to an extent. And I do my part, and I tell a lot of these young people in drill music, look, I love the music. I love the beats. I love the 808s on the instrumentals. That some of these drill producers are the most talented producers ever, Mm. ever. The way their brains work. When I see there's some some amazing rappers who, when they're just spitting on some of these drill beats, they're amazing. But I do my best to educate some of these young drill MCs. I'm like, look, guys, you're seeing what's happening over here. You're just going to keep on getting shut down. Let's switch up the content a little bit. I do my part. Like right now I'm at a stage, even on my radio show, where I'm bringing on more real talk rappers.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And anyone who follows me would know. I've not put on a drill MC in a little while. Not because I fell out of love with it, but I'm just trying to show the people who don't get it from the outside looking in that there's more to this UK rap thing. Yeah, It's not violence, it's not negativity. We're just commentating on what we have to wake up and live in. They don't have to live like the way we had to live. Mm. They don't see that. They don't see the poverty and some of these kids are having no choice. Like, as in, they're kicked out of their house, landlord kicking out of their house if they don't make money. Yeah. Fast money. There is no other option for some people. And I bring some of these guys on a commercial platform Mm. because more ears are on a commercial platform just so people can help us. It's a cry for help. Yeah. Like, I'm literally on the radio crying for help on behalf of these young people. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, I'm not ignoring the issues we're having. I mean, I'm not ignoring how important music is to young people. I'm influenced by music, but look at me. I grew up on the on the maddest music songs. I used to listen to Stars P. Yeah. I used to listen to Mob Deep. I used to listen, and, and I used to feel like I was when I had the headphones on. I used to feel like, yeah, like I can imagine being out in Brooklyn, and it's yeah, mad. Yeah. But it never made me want to do a mad thing. Yeah. It never did. Exactly. I'ma be honest with you, it never did. There's never time a time I'd listen to a record and think, Yeah, man, I'm going out I'm going out there. Never. And I know a lot of young people are
0: like they're like that as well, man. They just really love the music, man. So And that's the unfortunate thing, isn't it? It gets flipped into like the music can be can play that role of like influencing people. But like I don't know, I just feel like for me. It's it's a it's a source of like well a enjoyment isn't it but also like hearing voices that you can feel related to or you can yeah. do you know what I mean and I feel like that's that's the most important part of it yeah um but like if you could now give a message to like young people yeah growing up you know thirteen fourteen year old kids yeah what would you say to them there's a lot of things that I would say.
1: Firstly, there's always hope and there's always light at the end of the tunnel. There's going to be times where you sit at home and you think there is nothing good going on around me. The beauty of the music industry now, especially if you want to focus more on people who are influenced by music and want to make it out through music. The beauty of this music industry right now is we can pick up this phone, Express how we feel and the world can hear it yeah. within 10 seconds. Utilise that. Because when I was growing up, I had this very late in like my teens. Do you get what I'm saying? We wasn't able to have this accessibility to the world. You guys have to utilise that. And understand there's so many ways of just making income now. Mm. I don't, like I could just there's so many like this that's a whole different conversation, but you can you gotta understand this. We're we're living in a world where we could just upload an whole an entire project independently, yeah, put it out and make money. And if it, even if it does, even if it's not life-changing money, depending on how you promote that record, within the next two years, three, four, you could you could make some serious peas. could be living off of that money, isn't you it? You could be living off. There's monetization's real. You could start a YouTube channel tomorrow. It takes 10 minutes. And you can monetize it. And you can do these so many different things. So for all young MCs and young rappers that feel like this is getting long, it's getting tired, like, yeah, I need quick money. Sometimes it's patience. I've been broke. Like as in cornflakes and milk for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Mm. I know what it feels like. But if you know you want to make it, and if you know you love something so much, you will continue doing it and that will you'll be infatuated and you'll be lost in that dream. Mm. And that's what people need to remember. And also for young people listening to this, you got to understand, especially people coming from where I come from, we're the minority. And you don't want to give people an excuse to keep on taking things away from us. Yeah. If you keep on acting in a certain way, they're going to keep on taking from us to the point where we're going to have nothing. And I'm scared for that to happen because I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever think about The kids of tomorrow leaving their house, and it's like Armageddon. Yeah, and it will end up that way if we don't wise up. We have so many role models in in UK rap music. Mm. And you're one of them now. I'm gonna take it because <laughs> it feels man. like it. It feels like a a. I'm I'm taking that role we don't even mean to be it Mm. we just didn't stop we just kept it going and we just wanted better lives for our people Mm. that's the only reason why we're here and successful this is a cry out for me to young people Don't let them keep on taking things away from us. Don't give them any more excuses mm. to shut down our music, our culture, and our communities. Because if they keep on doing this fuckery, if we keep on going in a naive direction, they will do that. So that's what I'm gonna say. And um, I love everyone. Like, honestly, like this was amazing. And I'm here for people, mm. you know. I can't always answer a DM, I can't always get to m- my emails. But anyone that see me in person knows I try. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, if I had it my way, if there was like ten thousand Kenny All Stars, we would try. <laughs> <laughs> but there isn't. Another thing I want to say to especially young creatives. Don't feel like people who are already in the industry, if you don't get a cosign from them, that's the be all and end all. Mm. I didn't get cosigned by the DJs I wanted to get cosigned by, unfortunately. And I don't know why, but I didn't cry about it. I didn't beat myself up about it. And I didn't think, well, you know, I'm going to give up because no one cosigns me. You don't need a cosign to get by we own everything. Care, it's in the phone. We do. We can determine our own our entire career without needing a cosign. Yeah, I believe I got onto one extra of the power of the people because there were so many people saying, "You know what, the guy's rapping. He's, he's working hard." So I, I don't seek validation from me. Don't look for no cosign from me or anyone in my field. Do your thing. Young rappers, wise up. Young singers, wise up. Creatives, wise up. Mm. This is
0: our industry, and so let's own it. Yeah, that's amazing, man. It's a, yeah. I think it's a great message, man. I think, you know, huge testament to you in Thank terms you. of like everything you've done and your the whole journey and the whole kind of, just the, the whole process of it, I guess. It's Thank just you like, so much. I've been most of the time sitting here with a big grin on my face, <laughs> as you've seen. Um, <laughs> Thank but you. But I've got a last few questions for no, you. No problem, man. I'm here. First one um, obviously, Dreamer's Disease is the name of the podcast. Yeah. Um, for you, what is the definition of Dreamer's Disease?
1: I think the definition of Dreamer's Disease is being infected by the ambitions that you've created in your head. <sighs> me wanting to be here i can't think of myself doing anything else Mm. i've tried it i worked in retail i I worked in river island i worked at apple store i've done it i tried to do an office job as um for work experience didn't work for me i tried to put my hands in so many different kind of fields it just didn't work I always was infected by this ambition mm. to be in the music industry and it's an infection that I don't want to get rid of yeah. I'm being serious if that's a disease if me dreaming to be one of the greatest broadcasters in the world if that me wanting that is a disease I'll please I, I want that disease 10 times <laughs> over and that's the only time you're going to hear me say something like that but that's the realest <laughs> shit.
0: Yeah, That's
1: what it, dreamer's disease means to me.
0: Yeah. Straight up. Uh, mate, for someone who claims not to be articulate, I'm, I'm telling not, you, you're, they, you're they, plain, they always uh, tell me I'm not. You're downplaying yourself there. <laughs> um, and then, if we could wind back the clock yeah. and we could go speak to young Kenny, Yeah, what three bits of advice would you give him to start doing Straight away.
1: Off the bat, straight away, stop caring about how people look at you and Mm. perceive you. Especially from appearance. Mm. Because you can wear all the designer in the world. You can drive the fastest cars. You can look at it a certain way. You can put all the makeup on your face and mask all the everything you want to mask but that shit don't matter because you've got to back it up by opening your mouth and speaking because mm. i'm sure we can all relate everyone in this room can relate to the moment where we first saw someone and we thought oh wow they look it they look like money this is amazing <laughs> yeah but then when they when they open their mouth to utter one sentence it's like this guy's a dickhead or he's an idiot like yeah. look at this like how can you be like that like, yeah so I would have told myself straight Kenny man do your thing like I love the world now I love when I when I see people embrace themselves for who they are they wear what they want they dress how they want they speak how they want and that's being embraced Mm. people can be themselves now and I'm at that stage of my life so, I wish I would t- tell myself that yeah. back in the day. Another piece of advice is I would say rejection, handle that better. When I used to get aired from all these executives <laughs> and radio stations, <laughs> I used to look at myself and think, I'm shitting it. I must be a terrible, I'm terrible. Like rejection, just inject, not even just on the music basis, just everything. If I like, if I had a crush on a girl, and she didn't
0: like me back, oh man, we've all been there.
1: <laughs> but I would go home and put on like, I would put on like, like usher convention yeah, man. I'd on like Chris Brown take you down and, and, and old school Drake, and <laughs> you know, I'd listen to slow jams and, and bury myself in my pillow, thinking, oh no, I'm ugly, my no girl likes me, or rejection in general. I would have handled that better. And um, I think the third and final advice is check for people more.
0: Mm.
1: I think because I'm my only child, I, regr- I lost a lot of friendships that I wish I never lost. Not because I think I was a bad person, but I'm so socially awkward sometimes. Mm. Like I never would pick up the phone and call. Sometimes I wouldn't call my friends. But I love my friends. Like, I'll do anything for my, my people. I would go to the ends of the earth and do whatever it needed to, to protect my loved ones. However, growing up, and even sometimes now, I wouldn't check on my people that I claim to love. Sometimes there's a phone call. And I think this is another, this takes us back to... Young people growing up in London and doing certain things that they may or should not have been doing. Sometimes that phone call could be the difference between yeah. someone carrying out an act that could change their life negatively or someone losing their life. Mm. Sometimes it's that one phone call. How you doing? You all right? What have you been up to? Do you want to go out to eat? If you don't want to go out, let me come over. We'll play FIFA sometimes it's them little small things yeah that we do that will stop someone from doing something crazy mm. so when I look back and I think about some of the friendships I've lost and some of the just the things that the people the family members that I've, I've walked out of my life but one phone call could have stopped that mm. so those are the three bits of advice i Amen to all two. three of them man
0: Thank you. Um, and final question for you. Of course. What is your ultimate happiness goal? Happiness goal, you say? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm not stopping until I'm one of the biggest hip-hop DJs in the world. That's going to make me happy. I mean, like, you go over to Brazil, you go over to the States, you go Canada, you go Nigeria, you go Ghana. That Kenny Star guy is really good that's what will make me happy. Because I love music, and I love this scene, and I love hip-hop, and I love this whole entire, this whole world of music. I love it so much. And I know that keeps me happy. And being being heard, and being able to give, young people or just people in general you know because we're only getting older I can't even you know I'm 26 next year I can't even call myself a young person it will it, oh, it, mate it, I remember the days <laughs> yeah but I can't even like bruv like I'm just like I just want to help people yeah like that's what will make me happy let me continue to do this on a worldwide scale and most importantly I want everyone that I love to be happy Everyone that I love, mm. I, I, I'm sick of hate. Hate is. you know how much effort it takes to hate someone, oh, man, bro? Do you know like you actually when you think about it, you really have to crack your brain to hate someone, and that always ends off horribly. Yeah, think about it. Anyone that anyone's hated hate is a strong word if you look at the definition of being an addiction maybe it's horrible so I just want spread the love and hopefully maybe in the next five years time y- you put Kenny on the greats of DJs in hip hop
0: music I'm sure it's gonna happen man yeah I, I love got that the man I want it man I, I, I watch the faith, these
1: documentaries man. sometimes you know like every so often there's yeah. a documentary about the history of grime yeah. or the history of hip hop yeah in the UK, yeah. like pick up Rodney P, like he he's done a few. Yeah, I want to be in that
0: yeah. one day. Do you know what? In five years, yeah, we'll we'll do it again before then. But in five no, years, we'll sit back down. I'm gonna play you that that bit of audio right Please there, do. and I want, and that. we're gonna see exactly what's happened. Yeah, I want that? That?
1: I'm ready for it all. Oh man, we'll but, but but thank you though, um, for this honestly, man because um, again.
0: This is therapy, man. Yeah, I I feel good. Oh man, I feel good. I've literally, I've had, I've gone through every emotion here, man. <laughs> I've, I've had teary eyes. I've I I mean, been smiling.
1: Man, that's just like
0: <laughs> it's been. No, thank you for this, yeah. and and I
1: really hope I wish nothing but the best.
0: Thank you, man, you words, and likewise, man.
1: Everyone around you, man, like you welcomed me into your home to do. Literally,
0: this. Li- literally, the first ever episode I've this, recorded in my home. This is yeah.
1: greatness, man. Like like the whole dreamers disease. It, that concept for creatives mm. we should live and die by that mm. and even that t-shirt chase chase your dreams that's
0: amazing we can all relate to that man yeah as, as people thank you man so no nah, thank you man well look man befo- before we do sign out yeah properly can you just let people know where they can keep up to date with you online yeah, where they can get the album course yeah plug so, time basically
1: yeah man i got uh, a few plugs i got um i'm on the instagram um active on there at kenny all star on the twitter as well same thing kenny all star i also have an album out right now which basically represents what london street music is to me and the people around me 17 track project it's called block diaries check it out and also as i am proud to say now more than ever Mm -hmm. i'm on the radio every friday night on bbc radio one extra from 9 to 11 p.m playing the hottest hip-hop music in the world so yeah that's that's me
0: yeah all right man I mean, I think this has been, honestly, one of the greatest interviews I've done so Thank far. You. To be all completely I'm honest.
1: Happy, I'm happy. I've never really, like, just been out. Yeah. So
0: genuinely, man. It's yeah. been great. And I fully appreciate the time because I know you don't do a lot of interviews. Yeah, I know you, you're nah. going yeah. to the radio Yeah, after I'm this going as radio well.
1: right now. And I'm not going to do another interview for probably another year or two. Yeah. <laughs> so, <I appreciate laughs> so, so we'll make sure this one pops. Gonna, yeah, man. Uh, we're definitely going
0: to. I mean, do you know I'm actually there. even considering putting the whole thing on YouTube. And I've never done oh, that. Um, it's, it's your world. That's how good it is, man. Whatever it is, man, um, I'm good, man. but look, thank man, a lot of love. And um, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're cool. inspiring. You're motivating. You're helping. You're you know doing your thing. You're enjoying the whole the whole process. So thank you so much, bro. Um, Appreciate that. Before we sign up properly, yeah, can we get a Kenny
1: star Yeah, you know it's Kenny star the voice of the streets. When I speak, the streets listen. you're locked onto the biggest, baddest, the hardest, the greatest. My favorite podcast, probably Nah, because I just sprayed my whole life story. Yeah, Dreamer's Disease. Keep dreaming. Keep achieving. Keep staying
0: positive. Kenny, star <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> so there we have it guys that was kenny's story and as i said at the beginning you know there's just there was just something special about that chat for me and you know me and kenny we've known each other for a few years now as you would have gathered but to just sit down and go through everything and have that real in-depth conversation it was amazing And, and there was a bit at the end i'm not sure if it got picked up in the recording but kenny just kind of put the mic down and he just looked at me and he went man that was like therapy he's like, i needed that because he's not really done that, he's not really had that long form conversation and talked about himself and his journey and you know, had that. People kind of see the output and the success he's had and the album and the documentary and the one extra shows and the kind of YouTube videos. But they don't see the hard work that's gone into it, they don't hear the story and I think for me it was really powerful to hear that from Kenny himself, someone who's not really an interview kind of person so I was really grateful for the time um, and the kind words he said as well. But it's just a reminder that no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you're doing, what you're trying to get to, what you're trying to achieve, no matter how you're trying to improve yourself, you're always going to be on that journey. Like You never know when that next opportunity is going to come. You never know what's around the corner. You never know when things are going to turn around. And it's so important to just keep doing what you're doing if you love it. If you really love it and you're really passionate about it, just keep doing it. And that is the real important message that I hope you take away from this episode. So if you did like it or if you've got any more questions for me or you want to get in contact, then as you know, you can always, always hit me up on Twitter, Instagram at I am Alex Manzi. And if you really enjoyed this episode, like really, really enjoyed it like I did, then screenshot yourself listening to it right now. Post it to your Insta story and tag me at I am Alex Manzi so I can see it and I can connect with you over there. So thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time and make sure you go out there and chase your dreams.